welcome to Carpet Cliff Notes, the supplementary podcast to Morelia Python Radio. The goal is to share with you all things Carpet Python. We hope that these bite-sized episodes will help with some of the misconceptions that are sometimes associated with these snakes and share with you everything you will need to know to be successful with these animals. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to Carpet Cliff Notes episode 10. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about the Nova Guinea carpet pythons. We're going to break down the story behind these uh, carpet pythons and try to uh, have try to give the listener a better understanding of what's going on with these unique carpet pythons. Let's go. Okay, so Nova Guinea carpet pythons. They are they're mysterious carpet pythons. They they came into the hobby about 25 years ago and to add more confusion to the topic, there's actually two lines of carpet pythons called New Guinea. The European line and the Derek Roddy line. We will talk about both lines, hit on some of the debated issues between the two. Um, I work with both lines, so I'm going to do my best to try to explain some of the difference is that I've personally noticed. So let's go back to the beginning. The story has evolved a bit over the years, but I'm going to give it a shot. So the European line is descended from wild-caught stock, and there's little doubt that they came from the island of New Guinea. The question is always, where exactly on New Guinea are they found? That's sort of the thing that stumps sort of everybody. In 1998, a pair of imports that were originally owned by a Belgian keeper were sold to a Johan van Denbush. Um, I think Frank Schofield had some of the original stock that he got from the importers as well. They came in through the States through Nick Button. It was in 2008, Nick imported a group of 4.2 animals from Paul Harris, and Nick kept 2.1, and Eric Kohler got the other group of 2.1. And to this day, they're probably the most well-known for uh, producing this line um, of the European Nova Guineas um, out there. Uh, There's a few other people, um, myself, Billy Hunt, uh, a few others that, that are working with them, but they're very unique carpet python for sure. So they, they, they called them Nova Guineas, and the story kind of goes that years ago, CITES permits were required to transport animals within Europe. At one of these, uh, on some of these documents pertaining to these snakes, the country of origin was listed as Nova Guinea. So Nova Guinea in Latin is New Guinea, and this would imply that they originated on the PNG side of the political boundary. If they had been from the other side, uh, the country of origin would have been Indonesia. Um, The issue is that the people that have the information are no longer reachable to get what the exact location is from where these snakes originated from. All that we know is that they came from somewhere in New Guinea. And this is sort of the case with a lot of these things over the years that you know, it's been in the hobby for such a long time that, you know, either the people are no longer alive or they're no longer able to be um, 
to to talk to them to get uh, some more information, or sometimes the people just forget. Um, what is known is that they're morphologically distinct uh, from the normal Papuan carpets or IJs, as they are known as well. Um, which both they they occur on both sides of the international boundary in New Guinea. They're also quite different from ca- carpet pipe populations around Port Moresby, um, which also have that classic IJ look. It does seem plausible that they would be from this area, but where it gets difficult to explain is that the morphological differences between them and Papuan carpets, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. So they have a different head shape. They have silver eyes. Um, they, the, the, no, the, the European line of Nova Guinea seem to produce three phenotypes in a clutch. They produce stripes, reduce pattern. And this is where they sort of get the name of the poor man's jag. Um, or uh, they also have like an ocelot type of pattern, more of the like the uh, bullet holes uh, that you would get in an ocelot uh, jag, if you will. <clears throat> if they, you know, and then, and then, you know, there was some debate that maybe they were crosses, but if they were crosses, you would be able to see the diversity within the clutch. You know, some would look more coastal, some would look more IJ, and then you would have ones that are mixed. But the, the thing of it is, is that they don't. They're very consistent with these three phenotypes. They also lay more eggs, but they lay smaller eggs uh, than Papuan carpets. And they also don't produce red babies. So Papuan carpets are born red with black eyes, whereas New Guineas are born a tannish brown with silver eyes. So, and, and, they have a, they're, like I said before, their head structure is different and they have upturned rostral scales. So their head structure, is, their heads are longer. It's, it's very, very unique, uh, very different looking and, and probably not something that you would pick out in pictures per se, unless, you, you know, you had really the eye for it. But if you saw them and compared them side by side, you would see how different they were, you know. Some years ago, there was uh, some suggestion that the founder pair originated from the Moorhead district of Papua New Guinea, but there was no way to verify this, so it remains just a rumor. You know, oddly, that region is just over the border, which would make it plausible. Um, that location, however, make the extreme morphological differences between them and Papuan carpets hard to explain. They're very, very strange carpets for sure. You know, uh, you can't really figure them out, which is why I don't think they're as popular in the hobby. Maybe people don't know about them or maybe they don't know the story behind them. So they just sort of shy away. Interestingly enough, um, there is an observation on iNaturalist of a carpet python found in Papua New Guinea. And it was from the, uh, it was in the central province and, and it, you know, that's the closest thing that I've seen to what they look like. Um, they don't look like what your typical IJ would look like. They look like more like this. But they're, the one picture that they have, and obviously the picture is kind of hard to tell, but you can see uh, that it, it, the pattern looks very similar. The colors look very similar. So uh, I guess we'll, you know, we, we really don't know <laughs> there, you know, it's just, it looks similar. So, um, and 
you know, interestingly enough, just on a side note, that uh, when you look at where they were found, it's typical carpet python environment, uh, typically uh, by a water course and by trees. So, um, so that's that's the European line, and then we have the Derek Roddy line. Um, Derek has been producing his line of of New Guineas for fifteen plus years. His line originated from VPI, and uh, he purchased them in '96. Um, they're also different from Poplin carpets in the head, body structure, size differences uh, in both individual phenotype and clutch size. Um, they don't produce red babies either. Um, I believe that they're not the same line as the European Nova Guineas because they look different uh, than them. And the, the other thing is, is that the the when you when these throw a clutch, it's very variable. I mean, you get some that look exantic, some that look like coastals, some that look like jungles, some that look like a coastal jungle, some that look like IJs. Um, it's just a, it's just. It's, you know, it's, it's really odd how variable they are, um, just in one clutch, but they, their, their head structure is definitely different than, um, your typical carpet Python, you know, coastal jungle IJ. You, you can, you know, in my opinion, they're, they kind of look like what I see in the Australian hobby and what they call Cape York carpets, um, and interestingly enough, there was an article in Vivaria magazine that was by Dave and Tracy Barker, and that spoke about Poplin carpet pythons and the history of them in the hobby. So the article talks about how in the 1960s, there was two big companies that sold animals to zoos in the U.S. It was during this time that many of the Australian species we see in the hobby were imported into the U.S., at the time, at this time, Australian laws were not as strict as they are today. But even that, it even then, it was illegal to import animals out of Australia. But somehow, these reptiles ended up on the list that the reptile dealers would send out to zoos, and life was good. Uh, and then, in 1976, many curators of zoo. Uh, reptile departments were subpoenaed to appear to testify before a federal grand jury in Philadelphia. To their knowledge, no charges were ever specified against the curators, nor did any of them even go to trial, but all but they were all suspect of buying animals of possible illegal origin. Uh, from from these two dealers um, that, you know, they, they were busted for uh, Fiji iguanas. Um, these zoos were particularly fond of Australian reptiles. And in some zoo circles, they would call this uh, situation the Philadelphia Inquisition. You know, and then this led to zoo curators getting much more meticulous about the origins of their animal acquisitions and making sure that the associated paperwork was accurate. So, you know, they didn't get into trouble. Uh, the miracle that happened is next uh, was that suddenly most of all of the Australian reptiles became New Guinea reptiles. Carpet pythons were once fairly common in zoo collections, and suddenly they became New Guinea carpet pythons in many zoo collections. The thing that they were probably, you know, the thing is, is that they were probably all carpet pythons from Queensland, 
they were that before the Philadelphia Inquisition, and then after it, they became New Guineas. Um, but to be clear, the first real poplin carpets or IJs to be imported into the U.S. from Papua New Guinea was in 1993. At the time, they were called Urinjayas, and today they're also known as poplin carpets. This is why I have a hunch that they may be a type of Cape York carpet that were a part of this and somehow became <laughs> New Guinea. You'll have, you know, Derek uh, talks about many times, he's talked about it on NPR and he's talked about it in post uh, about his his line, is that when he showed them to the Barkers, the Barkers said, oh yeah, they're they're really nice coastals. So, you know, it's it's hard to pinpoint what they are. Obviously they're not, they're, they're a lot smaller, so they're not coastal carpet. It's, it you know, it's hard to tell. Um, so we also have, uh, a line of Cape York carpets that are in the States, um, but they don't look anything like uh, either of the two lines. I work with them as well. They look completely different uh, than Derek Roddy's line of New Guineas or the European line of Nova Guineas. I would also just say one other thing. While both lines are enigmas to some extent, the European line, a bit less so, uh, since there has never been much doubt to where they came from, so they don't really fit into the story that I just told about the Philadelphia Inquisition. Um, but with them, the only real doubt is, doubt is where on the island they came from. Um, and this is the mystery, you know, and probably will be a mystery. Uh, you know, there was talk uh, years ago that that Nick uh, and Justin were sort of going to maybe do some DNA tests and see what was what with them, and maybe that will finally put this to rest. Um you know, but over the years, I've heard a few localities associated with the line, but there was never anything that led to any credible evidence um, to back it up, and definitely nothing that I would put much confidence in. So, the so, you know, to wrap it up, basically, you have these two lines of carpet pythons. Both are amazing, amazing carpet pythons. You know, um, if you're into variability and you really don't want to do the morph thing, you know. Derek's line of, of New Guineas is, it will give you that, you know, you'll, you'll throw things that look exanic. You'll throw things that look like jungles. You'll, you'll have some that look like coastals. You'll have some that look like a mix of the two. You'll have some that look like IJs. It's, it's really, it's really pretty cool. Um, and there's not many people that are, that are working with that line either. Um, I know myself, uh, I know Chris Salemi has some animals from that, um, Terrell used to work with them. I'm not sure if he still does. Um, but you know, it's, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's definitely something, uh, that, uh, they're, they're a cool carpet. And, um, the European line of Nova Guineas is also a cool, cool carpet. And I, I dare to say that if you have Papuan carpets, um, you might want to look into these because they're definitely from that island. It's just where on that island they're from. Now, it's not too crazy to think that there would be other carpet pythons on, uh, you know, Papua New Guinea. I mean, just because it's so remote and so hard to get to, uh, it's probably... Uh, you know, they're, they're probably there. I mean, they've, they've found, you know, Antaresia there. They have water pythons there. Uh, scrub pythons are there. Chondros are there. All of those animals up in the top of Australia, it just seems only, <laughs> only it would be crazy for carpet pythons not to be uh, throughout uh, Papua New Guinea, in my opinion. So, so there you go. Uh, Papuan carpet pythons, Nova Guinea carpet pythons, 
um, New Guinea carpet pythons. Uh, hopefully that helps uh, explain some of the confusions behind those. Okay, thanks for listening, and until next time.